Welcome to The Bunker. I'm Bobby Friction, and this is your daily need to know on news and politics. From poster boy for Revenge of the Nerds to billionaire Fight Club member, the Maharaja of Meta, Mark Zuckerberg, has been on a tech bro journey like no other. His earliest incarnation as co-founder of Facebook was also an introduction to his personal brand, a slightly awkward geeky college dropout with an idea and the brains to back it up. He became another Silicon Valley success story in the then-fledgling industry of social media. Since then, the transformation from zero to hero has been nothing short of astounding. A multi-billionaire with more personal wealth than the average-sized Eastern European economy, owner of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, domination of so much of our digital lives and the future too, with his hands now deep within the worlds of virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and the metaverse. Plus, he even looks like a superhero now, with a body that looks as if it was designed by the Marvel Universe. In preparation for the supposed UFC cage fight, he's going to be having with Twitter CEO Elon Musk. But he isn't just looking for a physical fight. His new app, Threads, is taking Twitter head-on. Seriously, though, what has led to this change in Mark Zuckerberg? To help get a perspective on this, I'm joined by Vessi Dutoy, a freelance writer on design, technology, and culture. His newsletter is the pathos of things. And Vessi, what's actually happened to Mark Zuckerberg? This 2023 model seems very different to the early Facebook version that we thought we knew. Thank you for having me. Yes, I think there has been a bit of a Zuckerberg rebrand going on. But I think it's been going on for a while, actually, because if we rewind the clock a few years, he was already sort of mired in scandal after the 2016 elections in the US. Zuckerberg became a pantomime villain, you know, was uh, Facebook enabling dodgy things to happen there. Then there were stories about enabling human trafficking and all of this business, you know, so he, he wanted to bring Meta he wanted to, to, to varnish that brand again. Last year, his efforts to do that were spectacularly unsuccessful. His whole metaverse idea, you know, he, he obviously renamed the company Meta from Facebook. The whole metaverse idea totally flopped. Uh, it attracted more ridicule than uh, interest, I would say. But, you know, he doesn't give up, does he? So this year, you know, he's, he's got his business back on a much sounder footing. And he's now um, trying to present himself in a much more macho light. I mean, we can talk about what that might say about him uh, later. But I mean, all I will say for now is that he does seem to display this almost comical level of insecurity and ambition <laughs> and, and jealousy. Now, that gives me a bit more insight into Zuckerberg the man, because all the other stuff, you know, the, the elections, 2016, all of that stuff's in the ether and it floats around him. But in terms of him as a person, I think for the average person, he's an unknown quantity. We all know Elon Musk, you know, he literally vomits his thoughts onto Twitter every single day. I think we have, you know, in terms of an earlier incarnation of these tech bros, we, we kind of know what Bill Gates is all about. Is this by design, this, this, this fact that we don't really know who Zuckerberg is? I'm not sure. I mean, I find it fascinating the, the, the role of celebrity culture in Silicon Valley. Because, I mean, you know, you don't see 
the CEOs of energy companies or car manufacturers uh, offering to uh, or threatening to fight each other in cage matches? Well, not as far as I'm aware. <laughs> it's partly because there is a certain glamour attached to the tech industry. You know, tech is not just about products. It's, it's an idea that you're buying into. It's supposed to be dynamic and cutting edge. And uh, you know, people associate it with a certain degree of excitement and entertainment. And I do think that the tech industry does teach entrepreneurs that charisma uh, matters. Well, for better or for worse, right? I mean, if you think about uh, somebody like Sam Bankman-Fried, who uh, he was the the crypto guy whose business imploded last year, or even um, Elizabeth Holmes, who was the founder of that infamous medical tech company Theranos. They both turned out to be frauds, but th the reason they were initially successful is because they projected this exciting personality which fooled investors and customers alike. And I would argue up till quite recently, Musk's maverick persona has probably been a net positive for him. It's interesting that you've mentioned these other CEOs and how we don't have... Um, say, car manufacturers, CEOs fighting each other. Is that not because, ultimately, if you look at Zuckerberg and you look at people like Musk, forget Musk wanting us to become a multi-planetary species. Actually, it's all about Twitter, the digital town square, and it's all about Facebook. Ultimately, isn't this just about power? You can become massively powerful if you're flying to Mars, but if you own Twitter, there's a real power within that. And is this not ultimately just about power, not about CEOs? Well, let's talk about Threads, this new platform, so-called Twitter killer, which Mark Zuckerberg has just launched. It's about data. It's about collecting more of your data, which is the lifeblood of Meta's advertising business. You know, according to the App Store, this new Threads app can collect data about your health, about your purchasing habits, about your web browser history, about your financial details, and about something which is ominously called sensitive information. And so that matters a lot for Meta. 98% of its profits or its revenues come from advertising. Um, but the other thing is prestige, I think. Zuckerberg already has this uh, digital empire, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. But Twitter has a certain prestige because for the last sort of 10 or 15 years, it's been the center of mm. political and media discourse. And I mean, Zuckerberg actually tried to buy it twice already in the past. And I think that he now hopes that threads can replace Twitter in that role. And if it means poking Elon Musk in the eye, then so much better for Zuckerberg's perspective, I suppose. So we're talking about someone here um, we're not sure about his politics. We're thinking he almost or dipped his toe in running for political office, the highest office in the land in the United States of America. Should we be worried with all of that, with the amount of power and money he already has and, and maybe in the future? I don't want to fall into the trap of portraying him as such an evil character. However. You know, I, I feel like there's a, there's a big catch-up happening um, in terms of how we're adapting to the power of technology, which is growing so quickly. And the fact is that these platforms have immense power, and 
they inevitably have a role in politics because of their control over information flows. And if you look at the the details which emerge occasionally about what happens inside Meta, I mean, it is, it is frankly frightening. Um, now, the Wall Street Journal a few years ago ran an expose. I think it was called the Facebook Files. Um, now, they had internal documents that, that they reported on internal documents, which, for instance, showed that there were researchers at Facebook who were finding products like Instagram were causing psychological damage to young people. They found that in emerging market countries like Vietnam, where companies like Meta are very interested in growing their advertising business, they had essentially been engaging in quid pro quos with the government, limiting people's access to dissident political you know, media, all of this kind of thing. Now, they just have an enormous amount of power. And I don't think that we have fully reckoned with how exactly we are supposed to even try to hold them accountable because it is global and it is very new and it is evolving all the time. Well, with that in mind, what's his instinctive reaction been when it comes to meta interacting with governments, with attempts at control, stuff around editorial censorship, and even global organizations wanting to speak truth to his power? I think the first thing to note is that, you know, Meta spends millions of dollars uh, lobbying governments every year, especially the US government. They get hauled in and out of hearings all the time in Congress uh, for things like whether they are monopoly or sort of uh, misinformation and, and various things, really. But the those hearings tend to be more theater than anything. They they don't really... Now, I mean, if we talk about the EU, that's a different story. Let's put that to one side for a moment. But these companies tend to be very savvy at managing uh, scrutiny. So to give you an example, after the uh, controversies in 2016, Facebook set up a, 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 quote, independent oversight board, right? Sounds very virtuous, doesn't it? But it's very much an open question how independent that board is, and whether, in fact, this is a uh, an attempt to for Facebook to sort of be more involved in moderating the internet in general, so that, in a sense, by taking a move like that, they might end up having more of a say in how they are regulated rather than being held accountable by anybody else. So yes, they are they are very savvy. I'm going to ask a question, uh, not outward looking, but inward looking. What kind of boss has he been in terms of the knowledge we have from people who've left Facebook? I suppose this brings us back to his apparent vanity. I mean, you know, how much of this is a caricature that we uh, draw for ourselves? I'm not sure. But, you know, there was a, uh, I believe there was a, a deleted LinkedIn post a few years ago where a, a artist at Meta said that he had taken 40 attempts to make a profile picture for Mark Zuckerberg that he was happy with. <laughs> Last year, they started uh, internally branding uh, Metaverse projects with the acronym MMH, Make Mark Happy. Well, well last year, the fate, uh, Meta's stock market value crashed. 
And one way that they have turned that situation around this year was announcing a so-called uh, year of efficiency, which sounds a bit like a slogan you would hear in a sort of uh, communist dictatorship yeah. or something. <laughs> but what it actually means is just slashing the wage bill by firing, I think, about 20,000 people so far. And, and I think the fact that, that when Musk turned up, uh, bought Twitter, he immediately slashed his own workforce. I think that kind of created space for Zuckerberg to do that. Okay. Um, well, let's let's go to Metaverse because for me, um, you know, I think about my friends who aren't in tech, who aren't that interested in politics. You know when something's permeated. Metaverse hasn't permeated anything. I don't know anyone who uses it. I don't know anyone who has the goggles. The nearest thing I have is a couple of friends who, who use VR to game. So how do you think the relative massive failure is, at least at the moment, has affected him? He's definitely not giving up. He's still plow I think he lost something like four billion dollars in the first half of this year on that on his the metaverse division. He's not giving up. He's just being a little bit more he's a bit more sort of quiet about it because you know it's not it hasn't proved very popular, but he's he still seems determined to do it. The tech industry prides itself on creating innovative products. But actually Zuckerberg's career has has always been much more about buying other platforms or or just sort of shamelessly stealing their features. I mean, so Instagram Stories was copied from Snaps, uh, disappearing videos. Uh, Instagram Reels was copied from TikTok. Instagram itself was a, a small startup that he bought 10 years ago. And obviously, anybody who's seen the social network film will know that it's very much an open question whether Facebook was even his idea. So the metaverse is... It's his big idea, right? His big innovative idea. And so I think he's, he seems to be extremely attached to it. Look, I'm just cherry-picking some words um, that you've said today. Words like petty, words like jealous, vain as well. So with that in mind, you know, these are the bigger questions around dystopian futures, which everyone seems to be obsessed with at the moment. Are we possibly sleepwalking into a future where there will be mega digital control via these apps and ultimately via people like Zuck and Musk. Yeah, I mean, it is. if we look at the rise of these companies, I mean, I think you could place it on a timeline with, you know, wider trends in, in globalization, which were happening before the, the tech revolution, where power is seeping away from traditional structures like official governments and can increasingly be found in the hands of corporations who you know exist sort of strangely out beyond and in between any uh, given nation state and so i think really what the future holds in that sense is this ongoing tension and sort of jostling between older forms of power and uh, newer ones, if you see what I mean, between governments and uh, corporations, for instance. I mean, it's f for me, it's so worrying because I have kids who are 11 years old and they don't know about politics. They don't really know about the media, but they're now talking about Musk and Zuckerberg and their fight. 
in the same way a previous generation would have talked about the Kardashians, you know? And um, when you've got the Kardashianification, if that's a word. I think that is a word. <laughs> of, of, of what's happening with these CEOs, but then you realize just how much power they have. And it's a, it's a, a super international power that goes beyond the nation state. Actually, we could be hurtling into the dystopian future most of us think would never happen. You know, the question is, you, I mean, you talk about the Kardashians. I mean, p- partly because of the networks that people like uh, Zuckerberg have created, personality and celebrity and charisma are in many ways becoming more and more important as forms of power in themselves, right? The sort of mind-bending thing to think about there is, you know, if these people are household names, if their arguments with each other have this sort of slapstick quality, how exactly are people going to think critically towards these figures if, you know, everything is just sort of a load of gossip, really? Well, Vessi, thank you so much for talking to me today in the bunker. If you don't mind, I'm going to bring this podcast right down to the lowest common denominator and give you the last word who would win in a fight a ufc fight between zuckerberg and musk i don't know elon musk doesn't look like he's in good shape to me so (laughs) no no i mean i mean unless he's got some sort of uh special repertoire martial arts techniques that he hasn't been telling anyone about which seems highly unlikely then your money would have to be on zuckerberg wouldn't it thank you very much vessi thank you Thank you so much for joining me here on The Bunker, listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, please support The Bunker on Patreon. For as little as £3 a month, you can get extras, including getting the episodes ad-free. I'm Bobby Friction, and thank you so much for listening. Bunker Daily was written and presented by Bobby Friction. The producer was Liam Tate and the audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. The assistant producer was Adam Wright. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. With music by Kenny Dickinson and artwork by James Parrott, The Bunker is a Podmasters production. 